Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. This is Brad Shattuck, your host. Today's episode is Lying, I'm Never Wrong, Why Should I Say Sorry? And the reason I'm mainly doing this episode is not just because I've been through these scenarios, but I've gotten probably about eight emails, and um, they've all been on those subjects asking if I've been through those specific scenarios um, or people describing they've been in those scenarios and uh, the majority of those have asked if I have any podcasts on those subjects and if they might have missed them and if not, would I um, be willing to make an episode based on those subjects. Um, I've touched on those subjects a little bit, um, probably within an episode based on another subject matter, um, but I'm going to hit on those three topics, um, and probably as I usually do, kind of slide off into a couple other subjects, but that's going to be the main topic of this episode. So with that being said, let's get on with the episode. Thank you again for listening to Living in Third Degree with BPD. This is Brad Chaddock, your host. And like I said, today's subject matter has got to do with lying. I'm not wrong. And why should I say sorry? And like I said, the reason I'm touching on that subject matter is I've had multiple listeners text in, uh, sorry, email, and asked if I have touched on those subjects and if they might have missed uh, the episodes or if not would I mind touching on those subjects and I definitely am and the reason being is I've been through those scenarios Um, there's just so many scenarios I kind of forget some of them or a lot of them and until somebody kind of sends in an email and reminds me or asks me um, you know I'll jot it down in my notebook and say oh yeah I gotta do an episode on that subject so anyways 
line. That was, um, I think there was about <laughs> five emails alone and said, you know, um, did your wife lie a lot? Um, and, you know, how uh, in-depth did she get with lying? What did she lie about? Um, my other half has constantly lied to me about many things, including uh, sneaking around behind my back, uh, especially when she's been caught or when I um, suspected her of it, and even when I found out. Um, that's usually been the biggest subject and unfortunately I probably embedded it in the back of my head because it kills me when I think about my situation um, so I'll start with lying and yes my wife lied every time that I caught her feeding behind my back and this this has gone on oh my god many times in the 34 years we've been married she's probably um, that I know of has had probably about 10 um, times of infidelity that I've caught her um, back when we were just dating when we were engaged to be married and during married I would say during married probably about three times that I know of and um, two times was when I was um, incarcerated and this was back in 2008 um, and and those incidents which uh, for a fact I knew there was two and actually a few times with the same person was because my son um, had told me so you know of course when I got on the phone you know she denied it lied about it um, and, um, the other times the same thing, you know, but, but the thing is, you know, like, it doesn't specifically, you know, touch on people with BPD, any person, no matter, you know, whether they have a disorder or not, um, is going to lie about it. I'm not saying 100% of the people will, but I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't mean because you're lying, you have BPD. Um, but to, to back up, that's one of the characteristics of people with BPD is risky behavior, and one of them is, um, you know, having unprotected sex or, um, you know, doing things they normally wouldn't do, either whether it's uh, living out their fantasies or uh, because they have to have the attention um, or, you know, filling in the, the things that they're missing when it comes to BPD or, um, you know, what I have found with some of the people that I've... Um, touch base with um, mostly listeners when they emailed in and I emailed them back and asked them questions is um, the females that have BPD that they admitted that they you know um, had infidelity was they said they were um, you know having that kind of anhedonia that you know inability to experience pleasure from things and they had gotten so numb and had almost no pleasure in things. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them go into self-harm because they have no feeling of anything, so they do that to get feeling. Or they um, do, um, uh, you know, risky behavior, um, taking up, you know, like skydiving or rock climbing, things that are kind of dangerous but give you that, you know, exuberating feeling, um, you know, that, that big release of 
you know, dopamine and, um, um, you know, just getting that, that the heart pumping, you know, to get some kind of feeling. And, you know, one of them is through, you know, sex and, um, you know, not sometimes not just sex. And, that, and that's what, believe it or not, I, I'm going to say probably about five or six of them. I was really surprised. They said it wasn't just about sex. It was about, you know, with somebody else. And they could, um, you know, do things that they normally wouldn't do with their partner for whatever reason. Whether they're the other partner um, wouldn't do those things or, um, you know, they would think it's, you know, odd if they uh, subjected it or did it. So they, they live out these, you know, fantasies or other things, you know, in sex. And that gives them that feeling, you know, whether they're experiencing anhedonia or not. Um, but it's the, the, not just the lying, but it's also about turning things around, you know. Uh, I found my wife is a professional at that. She'll deflect and turn things around, and that is one of the characteristics of people with BPD is, you know, she would say, well, it's not my fault you're in jail. You know, uh, I get lonely out here too. You know, and I used to tell her, well, what, what do I do about it? You know, I'm lonely too in jail. You know, all I can do is cuddle up to my pillow, you know, in my cell against a cold, you know, concrete wall. You know, if you were in jail, I wouldn't do that to you and use that excuse. You know, how would you like if I did that to you? Say if you were in jail for a year and I was cheating on you and said, well, you know, I'm lonely. It's not my fault you're in jail. You know, how would you like it? You know, and of course, they'll immediately deflect that answer and go around the subject because they know the truth would be it would hurt them too. But it's like, that answer is good enough for me, but not for you. Do as I say, not as I do. And, you know, it. each time, you know, it did that. And, you know, one time we did have a heartfelt conversation. And I said, you know, I want to honestly know, why did you do that? And she said, it, it was because I was lonely. And, yes, it was wrong. I don't know why I didn't stop and think and, you know, think twice about doing it. And it was just kind of a... You know, the moment was there, the opportunity, and it happened. Um, you know, yes, I, I should have taken a step back because it would have killed me if you did it, and I apologize. But when they're in, um, when they're splitting, and that's usually what happens. Like, I would find anytime my wife did anything wrong or I suspect her doing something wrong, she would immediately split and go into the lying, the deflecting, and, you know, turn it around. And that's, uh, that was a clear, classic part of her BPD. And I would know she was lying when she did split. Because knowing her for 34 years, if she wasn't lying and she would deny it, she wouldn't go into splitting. Or if she did, it would be very minimal. But when she went to a full-blown split, I knew she was lying. And I would tell her, this is how I know you're lying. But they immediately, you know, deflect it. They'll go around it. You know, she'll be like, well, 30 years ago, you did it in my 30, you know, 32 and 21. And I'm like, shut up. You know, and, and that's the problem. And then again, there's never a sorrow. And uh, here's an example. Just last week, um, you know, we've gotten back together and we've been doing really, really good. But, um, and, I, and I tell her, I said, you know, I trust you. And I try to fulfill her with that trust for two reasons. Number one, to let her know I trust her, but also in case she is thinking or doing something wrong, it might instill some guilt in her. And I just, last week, or two weeks ago, I had told her, I said, you know, I just want to let you know, like, I don't go through your phone. I love you. I trust you. And I 
believe that if something did come up where you had the chance to do something wrong, that you would think about it twice because of all the good things that I've been doing for you and helping you and, you know, loving you more than I ever did before. Well, anyways, I just, this is, oh my God, within the last week, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, I happened to be out on the couch. I couldn't sleep. I was watching TV. And it was, yeah, it was close to 2 o'clock in the morning. And she was in the bedroom. Or her phone was next to me on the couch. And I heard Facebook ding. I'm like, wow, who's dinging her this late? But I, I didn't look. It dang again. And then I heard it ding a third time. Like, Who the hell is sending a message at 2 o'clock in the morning? So I happened to look down. And it was some guy. Like from... You know, Ohio, you know, thousands of miles, uh, you know, thousands, so more miles away from us. We're, we're in New Hampshire. And, um, I don't know, who the hell is this? So, I clicked on it, and it's a guy she uh, that sent her from request, didn't even know her, just said, you know, hi, I think you're beautiful, would you like to be friends? She accepted it, and they were having a conversation over the past almost two weeks. You know, just, um, you know, him... I think the reason he strung her along is, you know, I think you're beautiful. I love your pictures and, you know, you're single. And even when she said, no, I'm married um, or I have a husband, he said, um, oh, that's okay. You know, um, I still think you're beautiful and this and that. And, you know, I think that's what strung her along and, you know, made her feel pretty. So, and I happened to look down a little bit further and I saw two other guys, similar thing. You know, hey, I think you're beautiful, this and that. And she accepted it. And I'm like, you know, obviously the reason she accepted it, I kind of felt bad was, you know, because they said, you know, hey, you're pretty. And I'm like, well, number one, these guys are far away. It's not going to turn into anything. So what the hell, you know, what are they trying to get out of this? And, um, but like I said, I don't want to touch too, too much on that subject because it brings back a lot of deep, hurtful memories, um. But the, the reason I did do it is because listeners had asked me to do it. Um, but anyways, the other thing is if... It's funny. If if they're wrong in any way, um, or if even if, it, if it's something that's not wrong, but <clears throat> they know what would hurt your feelings, or if it just did hurt your feelings. Um, I've done this with my wife before. Um, you know, I've... I talked about on a subject and after like 10 minutes she's like can you just stop I am sick of listening to that I look, looked at her and I just kept my mouth shut and then you know a couple hours later she's like you know why are you being so quiet or slamming the door or something I said well that really hurt my feelings and then she would get into a rage you know well I don't give a shit I'm sick of listening to blah 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 you know whatever reason I said well I'm sorry I was just talking to you as a friend and she would get really angry and, you know, instead of saying, you know, well, I'm sorry that hurt your feelings, you know, I just didn't want to hear about it, blah, 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 which would have made it fine. Um, and I remember one time she was talking about something, and, and it, well, actually, I've told her I, I, at that point. I remember saying, well, there's been many times you've talked about something I didn't want to hear, but just to be courteous, I let you talk about it just so I'd be in ear, you know, not that... It was up to me to make a comment or suggestion or anything about it, but I, I'd let you ramble on. So anyways, I remember a couple of times later on, you know, she would ask, you know, what was wrong, and I, you know, told her. And again, like I said, she didn't apologize, but there was a couple of times after that, um, I'd want to see how she felt. So she was 
talking about something and it was a subject I didn't want to hear about and listen to. So I said, can you do me a favor? Just, just like you, I don't want to hear about that. Can you stop? And instead of being quiet like I did, shooting me like, well, I'm fine, go fuck yourself. And I said, wow, geez, I didn't do that to you. I, I was quiet, didn't say anything. She's like, yeah, you whined like a little bitch afterwards. And I said, I whined like it after. You kept asking me what was wrong and what was wrong. And then finally I told you. I didn't whine about anything. But that's the problem is they go on. And again, with her saying stuff like that, again, she didn't apologize. And that's one of the problems with um, a lot of people with BPD is they're never wrong or they even if they are wrong they won't admit to it so they won't say sorry because what happens when we say sorry it's not just to make their feelings feel better um it's we're saying sorry because we're admitting we're wrong and or something we did wrong or we did something to offend them well with them it's i'm not wrong so i'm not going to apologize i did what i did because i felt it was right i know it's right I don't care if I hurt your feelings or not. I didn't do anything wrong, so I'm not apologizing. And there's been so many times that I have gotten to arguments with her saying, what is so wrong with you saying sorry? You know, God forbid, you're not going to go to hell because, you know, you offended me or did something wrong. But they don't say sorry. And it sucks because we all want to hear, you know, sorry when, when we're hurt. You know, it's like a Band-Aid. And, you know, and even sometimes if they don't, really fully mean it it still feels good to hear I'm sorry and um, but you know especially if you're on the half if you can tell if they really mean it, it it does it feels a lot better with anybody you know when we're hurt and when that person hurts us it makes it feel better to feel you know say they're sorry you know um, but but that's that's a problem because they understand by saying sorry they're admitting guilt and you know especially with my wife um, you know, when her BPD started coming out full blast, you know, I noticed her, you know, saying sorry almost diminished to almost nothing. You know, and that's the biggest thing is when they do something, they're so impulsive. Um, you know, and again, it's like I'm not blaming everything on BPD because I'm impulsive and my impulsiveness comes with my bipolar. And even though she has bipolar, you know, her impulsiveness could be coming from a bipolar or a BPD, but, you know, they do say that people with BPD have a high um, uh, tendency of impulsiveness um, with many things, and especially with, um, you know, with, with her. And so her impulsiveness, I was going to say, especially with, with saying things, you know, she never thinks before she says something. And then when we argue about it after, you know, I said, you know, maybe you should start thinking about things before you say them because you can't go back on something you say. And you never say sorry, so you should start watching what you say. And that's the thing is, you know, um, how many times do we all, you know, say, oh, I should have said this or I shouldn't have said that. And that's where um, DBT comes in handy, you know, uh, dialectical behavior therapy. DBT was originally designed for people with borderline personality disorder because of the impulsiveness um, with speaking. And DBT helps teach you about mindfulness and about stopping and thinking before you say something. And, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, I've even, I, I believe in DBT. I've done DBT. And even I'm not perfect. You know, sometimes we just 
you know, we fly off the handle, we say something we don't mean, but what always happens, you know? We always say, I shouldn't have said that, or, oh, if I could go back, I would have said this, you know, either because we knew what we said was wrong or what we said could have ended the argument or stuck up for yourself. Um, but DVT helps you, um, and, but I've noticed DVT does help me a lot of times to actually think about something before I say it. Yeah, but what I'll do is, like, if we're having an argument about something, I won't say anything. I'll stop afterwards, you know, during, during a pause. You know, it doesn't make you, you know, like, you know, put the brakes on and stop and think. What it does is it allows you to say, okay, I'm not going to say a freaking thing right now. And then take in what, everything that was said and then say, can I talk to you about something? And touch on that subject and say what you really thought about. So it gives you time to... Think about what you're going to say. It's about being mindfulness, uh, being mindful. Sorry, you know, um, practicing mindfulness. Um, but that's the problem with her impulsiveness is she never stops and thinks. And the times that I've um, offered to do uh, her, her counselor even suggested many times do DVT. Her two counselors, or I should say, this counselor and a counselor before, um, but they do it in classes. And neither one of us where we have social anxiety. Um, you know, can do group therapy. So I looked online and they do DVT at home for individuals and for couples. Um, and they, you know, do Zoom. Um, but she doesn't do it because she doesn't like to learn about things. She'd rather have me learn about it and tell her about it. And I told her, I said, it's something that we have to do together. And again, she figures in her mind, why should I do DVT? When I say something, it doesn't matter if it hurts your feelings or if it's right or wrong. If I say it, it's right. So, you know, why should you change something if you don't feel that it's wrong? You know, it's like me saying, hey, by you looking pine trees, it's going to hurt you and kill you. But if you don't believe it and you like doing it and you don't think there's anything wrong with it, why would you stop looking trees? You know, so that's, you know, where I stand on that. But again, so, you know, back to the impulsiveness, that's the problem. Um, especially when you mix anhedonia with it and then, you know, the deflection, uh, the lying, and then not saying sorry. That's one of the biggest problems that I found um, when BPD has fully infected my wife. Um, you know, and like I said, I do believe a lot of it has to do with BPD because being with her 35 years, she never used to be that bad. And then I got progressively worse and got to um, its absolute worst after BPD had fully infected her and taken over her mind. But anyways, um, I think that's about it for this episode. If you have any questions or suggestions or comments or want me to touch on a certain subject, send me an email. Um, like I would say, it's thirddegreepodcastnh at gmail.com. That's T-H-I-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-N-H, like New Hampshire, at gmail.com. So until next time, just remember if you have somebody in your life with BPD, love them and understand them as much as you can because they find it so hard to love themselves and they don't understand themselves either. So with that being said, thank you again for listening to Living in Third Degree with BPD. Thank you.